This is the OTP4D presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. More than healthcare coverage, it's a better experience. Visit FBHP.com to learn more. With Amy Wells and Rhett Bryan from Titans Radio, I am Mike Keith. Titans fall in overtime at Kansas City on Sunday night, 20-17. to 17. I have to say, one of the tougher losses to take in the regular season in recent memory, Amy. Uh, I 100% agree with that. Listen, when we looked at the personnel that we were going to be going into Kansas City with, everyone was a little concerned. Um, And concerned might not even be the right word, but you knew it was going to be a challenge because you know what Kansas City is and you know how these games are with the Titans and the Chiefs. And they're always that way. So you kind of had an expectation of what this game could be like. And then the Titans go in there and they're playing so well and they're playing so hard. I haven't seen a team fight the way that this team fought in a long time. It was just something different. And for it to end the way that it did and in such a heartbreaking fashion, you just hate it because you wanted it for this team that worked to overcome so much throughout the week to get as far as they did in that game. I'm just thinking about the three of us together. I mean, we're all tired and moving through our stuff today, and I'm not saying we did anything at all because I didn't. I can't imagine how tired those guys are today with the effort that I saw in four quarters in an overtime session last night in Kansas City. And it's not just I, – I don't just feel bad for the defense who was out there, and Jim Wyatt brought it up today at Mike Vrabel's press conference and, and valid. When you count the penalties, defense was in there for 100 plays. It's not just them. It's I mean, it's Malik Willis who I thought took a nice little step forward in a primetime game. And just – you're right, Amy. All three phases trying to play complementary football and did for quite some time against a formidable opponent. All right, let's jump right in. First down, Amy Wells, you began your play that turned the game. It has to be in the fourth quarter. There's seven minutes and 11 seconds left in the game. The Chiefs are on the field. It's third and 17, and the Titans are up 17 to nine. If the Titans can get them off the field on third and 17, which, I mean, statistically seems plausible, Um, The Titans are sitting in a really good place and Patrick Mahomes does what Patrick Mahomes does and he scrambles around and he's slippery and fast and he's able to get 20 yards and the first down. Ultimately, that extended the drive that led to their touchdown, then the subsequent two-point conversion and then an overtime win. So that was the play that I think kind of broke the defense it broke their spirit, I think. It was about a long, hard game, and they needed to get that stop, and it just didn't happen, and they never were able to really regain their footing after that. For me, it was the Harrison Butker field goal that he missed. And this is 521 left in the third quarter. They had gone on a 10-play drive at that point. They're moving down the field, and the Titans had just extended their lead to eight the series prior to that with a Randy Bullock 44-yard field goal. But uh, at that point, they're climbing back into this thing, and Harrison Butker misses the field goal. You talked about it on air with Coach Mack about how many PATs he's missed and these things. And sure enough, it's wide right, and the Titans are fighting. Here they are going into the fourth quarter. 
Uh, eventually, that wouldn't be the play that turned the game, but I think that's one place where it certainly could have been a pivotal moment. Mine is Patrick Mahomes' 14-yard touchdown run with 3.05 to go. Not only does it set up the game-tying two-point conversion that leads us into overtime, but that play was on third and nine. Third and nine at the 14. Amy touched on the run that Mahomes made with 7.11 to go on third and 17. Those were the only two third downs that the Titans were able to get the Chiefs in in that entire drive. The defense is gassed at that point very clearly, but they've got a chance. The third and 17 didn't work out. They had defended it well. They had rushed Patrick Mahomes well. He just made a play. On the third and nine, same thing. Looks like they're in exactly the right position And here goes Patrick Mahomes, not only picking up the first down, but scoring the touchdown. Uh, So that one, to me, is the play that turned the game. Because at that point, was there realistically any doubt they were going to make the two-point conversion? No, and the two-point conversion was probably going to be my my honorable mention for this question. Because, I mean... You had two shots at it where they weren't able to make it happen. And there were a series of penalties, and we could do an entire OTP just on some of the calls that were made in that game. But what it comes down to is in that moment, you have to play flawless football. Like, this is your game. They cannot get this two-point conversion. And there were mistakes made. And there were penalties called. And so the Chiefs got three shots at it, essentially. And that was a pivotal moment where you could feel things were kind of starting to fray at the end well you knew there was going to be a run it's just like if you watch the Dallas Cowboys in the 1970s you knew Roger Staubach was going to make a run at the end of the game and I'm not talking about a physical run I'm talking about if it's a seven-point game and the St. Louis Cardinals or you know the Philadelphia Eagles or the New York Giants or somebody have a lead on the Dallas Cowboys, Roger Staubach is going to bring him back, and he's going to score. Now, is he going to win the game, or is he going to tie the game, or are we going to go to overtime? But it's going to happen. You knew this was coming. You knew Patrick Mahomes would find a way to make it happen. You didn't think he would have to do it with his legs. No. And that was how well the secondary played inside the twenty. Uh, They did a good job. Listen, they they gave up 499 yards, but amazingly only five and a half yards a play. And, you know, they held in there as best they could, but the runs just broke their back. And when he took off running around right end and put the move he did on Jeff Simmons and, you know, found a way to not only, as I said, get the first down, but score a touchdown right there, you're just like, okay. This is how it's going to happen. And then on the two-point conversion on the third try, how do they have to do it? Him running again. That's what you love about Mahomes. Amy, you and I did the OTP the other day, and I made the comment that if Patrick Mahomes keeps doing what he has done so far in his career, he will be statistically the greatest quarterback in NFL history. You kind of scoffed at it. I scoffed at it, and after last night, I'm no longer scoffing. I'm taking back my scoffing just just because of the numbers that I've seen after a game where it felt like, I mean, they were coming from behind for most of the game and still statistically what he was able to accomplish plays right into your point. So I'm, I'm there with you now, Mike. Second time he's thrown for 446 against the Titans. The second time. But here's what's amazing. 
His passer rating, throwing for 446 yards, was just 80.9. That was something that I mentioned in postgame last night that, that stood out in my mind. I'm like, you'd think that'd be – because he. I think his passer rating this season going into this game was 109.2 or 9. 5. Well, for his career, it's over 106. Right. Which is what Amy and I – we're having the discussion about last week is when the scoffing happened. When the scoffing <laughs> happened, it was a four to. I mean, he's a four to one touchdown to interception ratio. Tom Brady's three to one. Peyton Manning's two point three to one. He's already thrown for four. I mean, he nearly threw for. He got to four thousand last night. He's at twenty five hundred <laughs> for the season already. But I mean, the guy's just he's remarkable. Yet they sacked him four times. They intercepted him. You know, the defense did enough to have a chance to win the game. If you if you tell me before this game, even knowing Ryan Tannehill's not going to play quarterback, that the Kansas City Chiefs are only going to score 20 points. You take that. I'm thinking you got a pretty good shot. And 17 of those in regulation. Right. They had to do it in overtime. Right. The grueling part, to, to Amy's point about this, and and your play that changed the game, the two-point conversion series, that, that sequence of events with all the penalties, that was mind-blowingly grueling to me just watching. I can't imagine what it was like for all those guys That's because you're right. You're like, hey, they're coming back in this thing. When's it going to happen? Oh, this is the place. And even on the second and the third, I'm like, they're going to get this. They're just going to keep doing this till they get it. I felt certain it was well, going to they, be in a tie. They just kept throwing flags. Right. It was physically and mentally taxing. What did uh, Matt that call that? Whole... Cleet Blakeman's clowns, I believe. I was don't the... know. <laughs> but it was, you know, the thing with Kelsey and Kalu, if you watch it back, it's an it, interesting It's choice. an interesting call, to yes. say the least. But listen, players like Kelsey know how to draw flags, just the same way great basketball players know how to draw fouls. When, when they're not fouls there, the same way that certain catchers know how to frame a pitch so it looks like a strike, even if it's not. I mean, certain people know how to do it, and there are instances where you see receivers that are very good at it. They know how to make it look as if something happened, which actually didn't happen, because in, in many of those cases, they initiate the contact. And in doing so, you would think, oh, offensive pass interference. But that's not how it looks to the naked eye and to an official trailing the play. And that's the way it goes. I mean, there is a skill to that. Oh, and the really good players, and Kelsey's one of them, are the ones that figure it out. They're they're good at the rule book in that particular sure. frame of things, the way the rules have acquiesced over the years and what those definitions mean and yeah and there's certain quarterbacks who fall different ways after being hit it's like taking a flop in the nba like you just mentioned well yeah but i mean they can make it seem as if it was an egregious hit or whatever it was egregious that's right it was a topic of conversation during the game yesterday you need to be careful we know that they are able to do this this is something we've talked about don't take the bait just keep playing your game. Just keep playing the game. Keep playing your game. All right. So that was first down. Second down is the stat that grabbed your attention. Rhett Bryan, you get to go first. I've mentioned it already right here on the OTP4D, and it's the 91 snaps that this defense had to play, and that was on paper. You, to Jim Wyatt's point, you, you add the penalties in, and they had to play 100 snaps in this. And I'm looking at the participation chart. 
Christian Fulton, Roger McCrary, Kevin Byard, David Long Jr., 100% of those snaps. Jeffrey Simmons on this ankle that has been made him very limited in practice the last two weeks played in 81% of the snaps. He hasn't practiced. He, I mean, he has not practiced in two weeks. Yeah. So I just, I'm so impressed by the give and the effort. And, and again, I, you heard it in Mike Vrabel's voice last night when you were talking to him. You heard it again today at his presser. It's impressive to me just what this defense did to leave it on the field. And he told you last night, Mike Vrabel said, this is going to be tough to come back from. There's so many guys that left it all out there. They're going to have to really get them in uh, conditioning and, and re-renewing of their bodies in the training room. Well, there are two things. You're saying to yourself, how much can those guys practice this week? Realistically, how much can they practice after having played that much? Because the worst part for any football team in this way is you're playing Sunday night football on the road, and then you have to play 100 plays, and it's an overtime game. So you're, you're pulling into your house at 3.30 in the morning. So you're starting the process of Monday later than normal. And, and listen, all boo-hoo, I get it, to, 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 but this is a fact. This is, this is how your week is starting, and so you're going to have to build back to play against a team in Denver that had a bye. There's no question that the fact that Kansas City had a bye – was advantageous when you go into overtime. They're the fresher team. It's a lot easier to play 100 plays well, when you've had a week off. Well, that's right. I mean, and and the Titans were fresher than Indianapolis in the game a couple weeks ago coming off their bye. That's a fact. So it, it's not that there was any conspiracy to throw the bye in certain ways, but that's the way it works. So this will be a week that it will probably be a lot of walkthroughs, a lot of things. Vrabel's good at that, though. That's the good news. He's good at that. The thing I wonder about, though, is from an emotional standpoint, you know, you as a human being, when you're disappointed, it's hard to bounce back. Yeah. And that was crushing. And, and to give that kind of effort and to not win in a game that, I, you know, I don't know what the line became after they announced that Ryan Tannehill was not going to play, but I would guess it went to way double digits, right? 20-something, I no, think. No, not 20. It was something. It was, it was 12 high. and a half, I think, 12, to begin that's with. that's what it was, right. not 20. I don't understand gambling. That's okay. But, but talking about the pitch count thing, just looking at this, 51 snaps against Houston last week. Right. And uh, 64 against the Colts the week before. So they've done the equivalent of basically two games, two games worth of snaps. That's a great point. All right, Amy, your stat that grabbed your attention. The thing that grabs my attention is Malik Willis had five completions for 80 yards. You've got to, got to, got to be able to get the ball out and be some sort of a legitimate passing threat to play in a game like this. And this, this is not just a Malik Willis problem. This is not just a receiver's problem. This is an everybody problem. But you've got to be able to do more things. You cannot just be a one-dimensional, we are only going to ride Derrick Henry in a game like this. You just can't. It doesn't work. And for the Chiefs to be able to take away that threat or neutralize it a little bit, then you're kind of left with nothing. And it, it's just, with numbers like that, you're not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It's frustrating because you want it you want it so bad for Malik to start to make improvements, and he's continuing to improve. Mm -hmm. He's continuing to get better. That's a hard place to play for anybody. 
but that's something that needs improvement on, and it really sticks out when you look next to it with Patrick Mahomes having 43 completions for 446 yards. Those two numbers side by side are just shocking almost. Agreed. And and I think a lot of that is a function of when he was having to throw in the course of the ball game. And, you know, it's funny – Patrick Mahomes never played in a situation like this when he was a rookie. Nope. He was never asked to step in on Sunday night football against the team that had gone to the AFC championship game four years in a row. Alex Smith took care of all of that. Uh, He played Mm -hmm. the regular season finale. Mm -hmm. Congrats. And and so I I think this for Malik, I think you – it's very important for – the OT people, and for everybody else to keep these things in mind and keep in mind this is not the finished Malik Willis product. Oh, no. This is not where he's going to get to. At some point, my belief is, having done what he's done, this is going to make him better quicker. Because when he goes back in the meeting room, I mean, let's just say Ryan Tannehill can play this week against Denver. Let's just say Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback against Green Bay on November 17th. When he sits in those meetings now and they talk about certain things happening, he's now going to know more of what they're talking about. Suddenly it's not just words and terms and diagrams, and he's lived that now. He will be better for this, I believe. Was he prepared to handle two-minute? Absolutely not. He's never done it. and. Two-minute at Liberty and two-minute in Kansas City on Sunday Night Football are two different things. We've we've made it clear all the way around, and I think all three of us have said this. The hope for Malik was that he would totally redshirt this year, that he would get a little mop-up duty here and again, and that he'd get his feet wet like Patrick Mahomes did, like Aaron Rodgers did, like some of these other guys did. But you know what? He had to play last night. And... In certain situations, he made bad decisions because he's never been there before in his life. It didn't change anything for me about Malik because if if you could see him afterwards, and even if you could see him going through it, Amy, and you're on the sidelines, it's clear it didn't break him. We've seen guys get broken by situations. We've seen people who've been thrown into those situations and they have never recovered. I believe he will go forward from this. I'm not being, you know, Joe Happy, you know, that I, <laughs> Joe everything Happy. is just sunshine and candy and roses and hugs. But I still believe what I believed about Malik. He has a chance to be the guy. We're, we don't have an answer on it yet, and we weren't going to get an answer from last night. Had he won the ball game, there, that wasn't going to be the final answer, whether he can run the show on a full-time basis. But – I, I just think from his makeup, for how he handles things, that, you know, if they get into the fourth quarter and they maintain the lead and he's not asked to throw with 35 seconds to go, if he's not asked to throw in overtime, I think it looks very different to people because he just he has not been through enough of that in practice situations. They don't give the backup quarterback two minutes in practice they give Ryan Tannehill all the two-minute reps in practice, 
And that's one of the things that I noticed on the sideline was that these are guys that he is not familiar with throwing to consistently. He doesn't practice with these guys regularly all season long. So on the sidelines in between series, he's talking to Austin Hooper about different tendencies and where he places the ball and why he threw it to a certain place. Ryan Tannehill's telling him, oh yeah, that guy likes this thing or he likes that thing. They're discussing these things that typically you get because you've been working out together and he's running with a different group because he has a different role as the number two guy. I apologize. I've talked too much, but I do want to say one more thing. I asked the question before he got ready to take the start at Houston during the course of the practice week until that week of work, had he ever handed off to Derrick Henry before he had handed off to his son Haskins. He'd handed off to Dontrell Hilliard. He'd handed off to Julius Chestnut. But had he ever even been on the field with Derrick Henry before? Because that's not how that works. It once, you know, because in training camp, Derrick Henry doesn't practice with the backups and Malik Willis doesn't run with the ones. Ryan Tannehill takes all the snaps with Derrick Henry. That's the way it works. In the regular season, they don't have just fun time where everybody gets to work together. <laughs> that's not how that works. You know, he runs the scout team. That's the number two quarterback's job. And so keep that in perspective. Throwing to Austin Hooper, throwing to Robert Woods, handing off to Derrick Henry, that all just sort of began for him because what you're doing is you're getting ready for the game. And the luxury that the Titans have had is that Tannehill, until last week, has always been there. 49 games right. Worth. Which is which was the most beautiful thing of everything about Tannehill. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Well, it's just I mean, you had your guy every week. Yep. And you you look at other teams going through this, and we went through this for a long period of time where is it Charlie Whitehurst? Is it Mettenberger? Is it Jake Locker? Is it, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Is it Matt Hasselbeck? Is it I mean, we haven't had any of that, which has been so wonderful comparatively. Again, I've talked too long. Uh, my <laughs> stat that grabbed my attention is the Titans went one for 11 on third down. That can't happen. So I'll just leave that. No. Well, one for go. 11 on third down. You got to stay on the field. Come on. Yep. All right. So we're at halftime of the OTP4D, and we're introducing the Duncan's Reward Program. These are rewards you can really use. Use them on free donuts, coffees, breakfast sandwiches. Free donuts, coffees, breakfast sandwiches to say, hey, I'm sorry for that thing I did to – my bad for talking too long on the OTP 4D. Join Duncan Rewards today. Save them, stack them, use them however you want. America runs on Duncan. Terms apply. So today, to say I'm sorry for talking too much because I knew I was going to do that, I brought Amy and Rhett both cookie butter cold brews. And Mike Keith, it is the most splendid thing that has happened to me today. Chef's kiss. Yeah. And I appreciate you talking too much because I got – this delightful drink. Well, we needed the coffee to record this because it's been less than 12 hours since we ran. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're running on Duncan right now. It, for real. We're running real. on Duncan and Jesus, and that's about it. Like, I don't know. There's nothing else keeping me alive. That's <laughs> all we've got. It is great. And they've got all their holiday flavors out right now. There's nothing better than holiday coffee. And see, and you're, I'm racking up those rewards by being nice to my coworkers. <laughs> Yeah, see, this is a real... So you got rewards for this, huh? Absolutely. I'm buying you off. Okay. And I'm reaping the benefits of the Duncan rewards. I am so into that. Mm -hmm. Third down, 
the area where the Titans must improve from yesterday. Amy Wells, I want to see just how obvious you're going to be <laughs> and if you are going to name more than one area as you are often want to do. Well, uh, what I was going to say is third downs. You've got to convert more third downs. So I guess obvious would be yes, and we've already talked about it. Um, and so then the other obvious thing that I could possibly say is, I don't know, let's clean up some penalties. So that seems obvious and also... Eight for 51. Yeah. That's not great. And they came at some inopportune times. Well, they came kind of in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to start the second half. Uh, yeah. The first six penalties of the second half that were called were all on the Titans. Four of them were accepted. And there's some things that are a little interesting about that. But I digress. You got to clean it up. You got to play the game the way that the officials want you to play the game. Well, you they called. Yards. There were 18 enforced penalties in the game. So the stats that we had on Cleet Blakeman's crew, spot on, was pretty spot on. Yeah, because you said 16, right? They 16 penalties on enforced average. on average, which makes them the third highest in the league for tossing the flags. And Coach Max buddies. Man, they were all – I mean, for the decline penalties and everything that went with it, the offsetting penalties, there must have been close to 30 flags thrown. I would think. It, it, w- it was a lot. It was a lot. To the point by the end of the game when there wasn't a flag, everyone was like, oh, so that, we're just going to move on to the next play? Like, yeah, it, it got go a little egregious. Uh, I thought it was – yeah, I thought it was a little – they were certainly involved. They were paying very close attention. They were so at more, least there's that. They were more involved than I normally prefer an officiating crew. I like those crews. You get about 10 flags between the two teams. And kind of just, forget they're there. We just rock Keep and moving. Roll. Yep. Yep. All right, Rhett Bryan, the area where the Titans must improve. Well, I thought we were doing third down. That's why I said third down is what they needed to work on a few minutes ago. Third Rhett didn't we even know what down we were on. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I said, you know, from the stat that, Stood out to this, but it, I would agree with Amy. It's one of 11 on third down. It's not going to cut it. Nine third downs uh, converted in the last three games has to change. Mine is actually related to that, but in a little different area. Time of possession. Because they couldn't stay on the field, they had 15 less minutes time of possession than did the Chiefs. And the Chiefs weren't even running the ball. It's a whole quarter. It is a whole quarter. Well, think about this, though. I mean, the, the Chiefs, during the course of the ball game, from their rushing, they they just rushed 19 times for 77 yards. If you take out Patrick Mahomes 6 for 63, they rushed 13 for 14. 13 times for 14 yards. So you would think if a team's going to outpossess you by 15 minutes – they would have run 40 times for 200 yards. It would have been like the Giants game. No. They threw 68 times and still had the ball that much longer. By the way, that was nearly an NFL record. Drew Bledsoe's 70 attempts the NFL record. It felt like it, too. Oh, man. We've had a lot of NFL How record How long did the game. game itself take? Five years, I think. <laughs> Seriously. It got really cold in the fourth quarter. It got pretty chilly. and 329, even with the overtime. It, man, Dude, it felt it like felt like a five-hour game. It was yeah. eternity. Yes, it felt like long. a college game. <laughs> yes, with a much longer halftime. With a much longer halftime. We, we didn't have the bands, though. No. Disappointing. Okay. So we move on, and of course, fourth down is what, Amy? What is fourth down? The player of the game? Your player of the game, but Rhett Bryan gets to go first. Oh, rats. That's okay. I don't think you guys are going to choose the one I'm going to choose. Mine is cornerback Roger McCrary. Nice. 
Uh, the gentleman gave up two explosive plays out of the 68 pass attempts that uh, Patrick Mahomes threw, but he played 100% of the snaps. He gave up the two X plays, but he had eight tackles and an interception and a pass breakup. And he did have a penalty that was not enforced because it was one of those X plays, but that young man just continues to get better. And one of the bright spots in this this defense, one of the young bright spots. That guy isn't afraid of anything. And I just was very impressed and continued to be about his performance on the field. And I even ate some baked beans last night to join him in his pregame ritual. <laughs> That's Amy, commitment, Rhett. <laughs> Amy Wells, your player of the game. Mine is Danico Autry. That man is just a monster. And he brings it every single week. He had two sacks, he had two tackles for loss, three quarterback hits, and that's against Patrick Mahomes, who is slippery. He's a hard guy to catch, and he was just so powerful and so consistent in what he was doing yesterday. And listen, when he came off of that field, my man was tired, and he was fighting for it, but he was so determined that when he got out on the field— you couldn't tell how tired he was on the sidelines. It was incredible, and he was very captivating to me as the game was ending because I noticed such a stark contrast from when he was on the sidelines trying to recover and when they were out on the field. Um, just an incredible performance. He's my player of the game. I'm going to give it to Mario Edwards, backup defensive lineman. Red, I don't know exactly how many snaps he played, but in the course of the ball game, he had two tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, he also had five quarterback pressures. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, for it seemed like for every snap he was in there, he was making things happen. He He's a guy who's had a, an interesting football past. He's nearly 29 years old. He'll be 29 in January. He's coming out of Denton, Texas. His dad was Mario Edwards, who played defensive back for the Cowboys and was awesome. And he, he's the number one player in America coming out of high school. He goes to Florida State, dad's alma mater, and, you know, he has a, a really good career at Florida State. He ends up being a second-round pick by Oakland, and he's never really quite caught on, even though he's been pretty productive in backup roles wherever he's been, for the Raiders, for the Giants, for the Saints, uh, for the Bears even. Last year for the Bears, he, he was an effective player as a backup. He gets cut by the Bears on August 30th, signs with the Jacksonville practice squad. The Titans signed him off the Jacksonville practice squad on September the 26th, and he's played good football ever since he's been here. Did you find how many plays he played? 47 snaps. They got 47 snaps out of him. So that's outstanding. And five more on special teams. Yeah. So, yeah, give it to Mario Edwards. I, I love to see – and. And I tell you, that's the part of this team that has not let anybody down is the defensive line. It's been somebody, I, I mean, every single week. It's, it's not him, it's Tierra Tart. If it's not Tierra Tart, it's Jeffrey Simmons. thought Tierra Tart was about to get his first career sack. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I thought it was going to – he had five quarterback pressures. I, I mean, he he was bringing it. And, uh, you know, but playing with Jeff and Danico and – um, all of those guys have, have done a good job this year sort of holding the point. Yeah. I'm excited to see how this team responds this week. Weeks like this are what Mike Vrabel builds a team for. Agreed. This is this is the moment. Like, this is what all of the talk about culture and being tough and this is what they talk about is a week like this. So I'm excited to watch this team rally together 
and move forward. Farm Bureau Health Plans is more than health care coverage. It's a better experience. Visit FBHP.com to learn more. Well, that's going to do it. Thanking Amy Wells and Rhett Bryan. I'm Mike Keith, and you have been listening to the OTP. Or D.